evangelization is life. It's just the Christian's life is ordered to Christ. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Anthony, who is the team director out in uh, of his focus team, a bunch of focus missionaries out at the University of Cincinnati. He's married. He just welcomed his third kiddo into the world. Anthony, how you doing? Good, Gomer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Now, a part of what Ascension Press is doing is we partnered with Focus because a lot of our missions overlap, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's awesome when we can get these different bands together and, and really rock out. But uh, um, Focus is doing their wonderful Seek conference that they do every other year. Seek 21 is happening virtually all over the place, and uh, Ascension is one of the, what are they, are they a sponsor? I think they're a sponsor. I right? bet. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> and they're doing a, uh, and so we're doing some shows for them. I'm doing one for Kentuck Foxes, unrelated to Ascension, and now Every Niche Shall Bow. So this is going to be awesome. Uh, what we wanted to do was talk with people about how they got into being a Catholic who evangelizes, right? Mm-hmm. By evangelization, we mean going out to people wherever they might be and bringing the gospel to them, not begging uh, and creating programs and begging people to show up to our programs, but mm-hmm. actually going out and and doing stuff like this. And how does someone get called into an explicit evangelization ministry, as opposed to maybe the kind of weaving it into everybody's life that we should be at the, at the very baseline? Um, and then what your ministry looks like and your story and how you can impact and change people's lives. In the show notes, we're going to have Anthony's little bio thing on focus.org slash missionaries. We'll have that info there so people, you can go and look at what the uh, impact that he's making in the world. But uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what got you into such a crazy ministry? Yeah, thanks, Gilmer. It is it is a, a crazy ministry. I uh, I didn't have any focus missionaries in my life. Um, when I was a college student. So like you said, I'm at the University of Cincinnati. And yeah, I was actually just across town at Xavier University, a small private Jesuit uh, Catholic university. And I had no idea about focus, about good, Good Jesuit or shady Jesuit? (laughs) Um, Answer the question. Good Jesuit or shady Jesuit? You're not there now. You're not beholden to them. It's a a mix (laughs) of both. Um, There's some really great great Jesuits there, really great men um, who have given their whole life to serve the Lord and, and to, to live that, that particular yep. mission and charism. And, but then, yeah, there are some, some things that are confusing <laughs> and challenging and yeah. So, <laughs> but <laughs> just wanted to put you on the spot. No, I, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, that's a, it's like a trigger for me. So that's like a whole other podcast. But yeah, I didn't have any missionaries in my life, but by the grace of God, I went into college just wanting to, to at least have my faith be some part of my life and was looking for some sort of Catholic community in college. And I found a, a small like kind of Catholic club on campus that would pray the rosary a couple nights a week and that would, you know, have like communal meals and do like a weekly Bible study, uh, not affiliated with Focus at all. Um, but yeah, through that community, I, I met my first I'd say like virtuous friends, men and women who 
we had uh, more in common than just like playing sports or other random interests, but we, we wanted to pursue some sort of virtue. And it was through that group that I began to develop a prayer life. And as my heart, I think, was transformed through this habit of, of prayer and the sacraments, in particular daily mass and confession, like my heart for others grew. It, it, it changed. Um, and I had this growing desire to evangelize, but really having no idea what that meant. I couldn't have shared the kerygma with you, although I was going to daily mass and I was um, praying the rosary most nights of the week and night prayer most nights of the week. But anyway, I got connected with, with Focus my senior year of college, interviewed and um, just felt so free in answering questions in an interview where I just was like, yeah, I don't know how to share the gospel right now. I, I kind of think I live it, but I have no idea how to sit down with someone and tell them the, the basic points of the gospel. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, the Lord closed other doors, left the door to focus open. And uh, I've been a missionary for going on seven years now, which when I saw the married missionaries, when I joined staff, I, I really was like, those people are crazy. They support raise, you know, fundraise everything for their families. They are still somehow relevant on campus with students and they're married with kids, like, you know, opposite of the college <laughs> lifestyle. And yeah. here I am uh, <laughs> providing for my family. The Lord provides my family through our support and then still somehow uh, attractive as a, as a mentor, as a missionary to young men at, at UC. Um, so yeah, by God's grace, here we are. And, Me uh, and you have an interesting thing that kind of overlaps between yeah. us, which is the power of a World Youth Day. Um, for yeah. me, it was World Youth Day Toronto, where I encountered Pope John Paul II, um, and hearing his amazing talks that just like electrified mm -hmm. my young adulthood. And I was already committed, you know, I was a youth minister at the time, but it was my Oh, I wasn't a youth minister. I was at Franciscan at the time. It was mm -hmm. the first few. Uh, it was my first year at Franciscan that World Youth Day happened in Toronto. And it was such a powerful experience. And you talk about basically 10 years later, you're in Madrid. What yeah. happened there at the at the airstrip in Madrid? <laughs> yeah, that is just a crystallized memory. So at the end of World Youth Day, as you know, but maybe other people don't know, there's always this overnight prayer vigil. And our very, yeah, it was like a hundred and like 15 degrees in Madrid in August. And we're out on this airstrip uh, with like two, two million other people and just, just in the desert. And before Pope Benedict came uh, to address the crowd to do this prayer vigil, on his way in, there was a big thunderstorm. And, uh, but he still was out there on that stage. And I kid you not when, um, <laughs> When adoration began, this, you know, this huge monstrance, this gold monstrance lifted out of this big white stage. And I was about 150, 200 feet away from it in the in close by compared to everybody else. And uh, I kid you not, like, it's like Jesus calmed the storm. Uh, it was mm -hmm. like a severe, like thunderstorm that you'd see in the summer in like Florida or maybe Texas where you live. And I, I just, when Benedict, Pope Benedict knelt in front of our Lord, you had 2 million other people melt and it was just like things went quiet and the storm calmed. Like it went from like, I'm getting drenched to I'm getting this little mist of drops on my arm and you're kneeling in the mud. I'm kneeling in the mud. And it's just like, 
yeah, you really are there, Lord. You really are the King of Kings. And uh, that's so wild because uh, I had the exact same experience with Pope John Paul in Toronto. (laughs) Yeah, because we're out in the middle of this huge field. And our church was miserable because my mm-hmm. <laughs> my youth minister thought she found a bus driver who could drop us off mm-hmm. right in front of the entrance mm-hmm. because there are three pilgrimage routes that you can do. You can right. do a, a two mile, like a one mile, a mm-hmm. three mile, and like an eight mile. Yeah. And what the guy did was he dropped us two miles from the beginning of the eight mile. <laughs> and uh, it might have been eight kilometers, so I might be exaggerating, okay. but it felt like miles. Yeah. And and I had ripped open a hole in the bottom of my foot jumping into a fountain in downtown Toronto. Very Long good. Story. A priest, priest told me to do that. It was hilarious. Very good, yeah. But then I ripped a chunk out, and the lady was like, I can't give you stitches. I can just pack it. Pack it with gauze. Wow. So every night I had to pack my own wound with gauze. It was gross. <laughs> then I had to hike this, and one of the girls broke her, or didn't break, she sprained her ankle. So I had to carry her fireman style oh my over my shoulder. Wow. Best time of my life. I loved it. I've never felt more like a man yeah. like that. I'm like <laughs> bleeding, wounded, <laughs> carrying victims of Mother Nature. <laughs> so we fi- And it was like 100 degrees. It was super mm-hmm. hot. We finally get to the place. We stake out our little area. Everything's comfortable. You're trying to sleep at night, and they're playing rock and roll Jesus music. Right. that sounds horrific. And the, oh, this is the prayer vigil that mm-hmm. I despise, right? <laughs> and it's going on and on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just yep. want to sleep. Yep. And then he wasn't there for that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there for the prayer vigil. And then at like 4 o'clock in the morning, downpour. Oh. Everyone wakes yep. up. And we're like, what? So we're all huddling under cardboard boxes yep. and in our ponchos and all this stuff. And, of course, I didn't bring any of that stuff. So I'm just getting soaked and, and mm-hmm. laughing and dancing with the Europeans around us and right. all this stuff. And then uh, he comes, and it's he almost couldn't land the helicopter. There's a lot of rain. Uh-huh. He gets the Pope mobile. We're screaming and yelling. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget. It's he walks out to do the uh, what was it? It was the vigil the night before, uh-huh. and then maybe it was just a big talk. I can't remember. But he goes, "Behold the sun," and the sun was out, but super dark, super uh-huh. um, windy, rainy, all this stuff. And you can see, this, and everyone just erupts in applause. And then we forget about it. And we're listening. And about five minutes later, my clothes are completely dry. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the what? And we all kind of like looked at each other and we're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's a miracle, but it was totally a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. It's certainly a purgative experience, you know, going oh, to a world you stay. There's so much suffering involved in that truly a pilgrimage. I mean, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's now incredible. when you're, this is the thing that I, I have a handful of focused missionaries I support. And okay. One of the reasons why I agreed to do this show is I love the people that I personally know who are doing, who are engaged in focus missions, right? And, or who have them at their student center, uh, my buddy, Josh Applegate, um, Jonathan Cardinal and his wife, Kathleen. There's a lot of people in my life that are doing it. And I think it's awesome because it's creating a culture of direct and explicit mm-hmm using words to bring the gospel to people, right? Because it turns out words are necessary. And I have a friend who, when she became a focused missionary, she went right. I mean, they, they like went to the LGBT campus meetings uh, for the first day and just said, Hey, we we we're representing a Catholic group. We're here on campus. If you are a Catholic, we'd like to invite you. If you ever feel like you've been wronged or hurt by Catholics, I just want to ask for your forgiveness mm-hmm. and we'll be waiting over on the side. Thank you. And like 20 people lined up for them afterwards wow. and hugged them yeah. and thanked them for that. And then like eight people signed up for their Bible study. Yeah. 
And you know, this is this is rock solid Catholic content, but done in a way that people could hear. People who wanted to hear and needed to hear could hear. So, what is it like for you to be on a campus? What is that? Why don't you start me off at the first time you did Focus Missionary? What were some of the things going through your mind when you started the great work? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's rewinding about seven years now. I think, I think what went through my mind was um, one, like I get to do this. You know, so many people were, you know, especially when you're getting started, you're doing all your support raising. People are like, oh, it's so brave of you. It's so, you know, just they, a lot of people either ask questions and think you're crazy or other people, it's the opposite. They're just like, I wish I could do this. And I'm, you know, 75 years old now. And I think the part, the first bit was like, I get to do this. This is something that I, that I know the Lord has invited me to do. And part of my day, I, I get to talk about him. I get to introduce people to him. I, I get to pray a holy hour every day. I get to go to mass every day. That that's part of just the normal day. And then, and I think too, just that the intimacy that, that you're invited into in people's lives. So, so you mentioned, yeah, like the LGBTQ, you know, group. I mean, to have conversations with like young men and they, they confide in me, like, you know, I've never, you know, felt loved by the church because of, you know, this thing of my life. And then to look that man in the, in the eyes and say like, the Lord loves you. Like the father delights in you and he can't stop loving you and gazing at you as a beloved son. And then for me as a father to then invite that young man into my like family life so that he can then see like the way that I'm trying to be a good dad. And, but he sees the way I look at my kids, I can go to him. The way you see me look at my son, Gabe, like God, the father looks at you like so much more like passionately and lovingly than I look at my son. So yeah, that struck me. But then also the, the other bit, Gomer, I'd say is that um, we can talk strategies and we can talk, you know, of course you have to like, you got to proclaim the gospel in word and deed, but that, strategies aside, it's, it's really the Lord that does the heavy lifting and that he is the, that first mover. And, and so much of what I get to do is to like work right alongside him and then see him working and, and do the very best I can to get out of his way or to, to cooperate with what he's doing. And so it's just, it's such a pleasure. Yeah. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, we have a ton of youth ministers and DREs who work with youth who listen to this. Yeah. And one of the big things is you find just such a disaffected amount of young people who want nothing to do with the church. So right. I was wondering if you could give a couple, uh, let, let's take it to the BuzzFeed style. Give us some tips and tricks on uh, on how to walk up like the cold cell, walk up to someone you don't know. What should be the first thing you do or say when you're dealing with uh, a young person? Let's let's put it in the parish context, right? They're in the yeah. narthex of the parish, or maybe they're in the gym where you're going to do youth group. What, what do you think you should do and say uh, to those folks? Yeah, I think I think it starts. I, I, first, when I first heard this word, I thought it was it really annoyed me, but it does start with good hospitality. And, and not just on your home turf, but also when you're out wherever you are. And I mean that in that looking people in the eye, you know, getting their name. Uh, Pre-COVID, I'd shake their hand. Now it's a fist bump, uh, maybe a handshake sometimes. Um, but looking them in the eye and then using their name and smiling. Again, with masks right now, might be a little bit challenging to show people you're smiling. But I would start just that it's so simple, like <laughs> get their name, smile. And then I... 
I really try to ask people about themselves. Um, not that I'm playing 20 questions with them, but I'm, I'm introducing myself. I'm getting their name. I'm using their name as often as I can, which helps me remember their name. And then I'm asking them about their interests, about their family. And I'm not like downloading all this information in my head, like a profile I'm building, but I'm, I'm looking for common ground. I'm looking, uh, to get to know maybe where they're from, what they're interested in. Um, and then often I'm, I ask follow-up questions. I listen and I ask them more about things that I might honestly have no knowledge or no expertise in, but I take a curiosity in them. And yeah, and then if I, if I perceive that there's interest, that there's an openness to conversation and they're not trying to just you know get away from me, then I make an invitation maybe to a meal maybe to an event, probably not an event immediately, but I make sure I get their phone number and then I follow up with them. And then if there's some detail that I learned about them, um, I want to, I want to use that with their name. So it's to build a relationship. Uh, these things, sorry if they're repetitive or nothing new, but it's, it's starting with the friendship and showing them that they're not a project for me, but that I like am trying to take a genuine interest in them. I'm not here to judge them but I'm here to, to be curious, to get to know them. And, and what I'm doing in my mind is I'm thinking of them, I'm praying for them, and, and I'm trying to, to see them the way I, I imagine Christ sees them uh, mm. and trying to just love this person in front of me. Um, but it's by being curious and, and asking good questions and follow-up questions and then getting contact info. I, I also want to say something here that I think is very applicable Mm -hmm. Right. Which is if you also want to date someone you don't know, these <laughs> tips work the same too. Yeah. make eye contact, <laughs> ask them their name, use it often, ask info about right. them, be interested in their interests, curiosity. <laughs> Who are you? Right? right. I'm curious about you. Not just the fact that you're hot. Right. So am I. And we'd make cute babies. But, uh, <laughs> but isn't it funny that relationships essentially are distilled down to the same thing? which is like, you are a person, you are an alter ego, another self, you have a world under yourself. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know that world, yeah. right? Like it's, it's not like something that should be shocking or something like right. that. You're not playing an angle. You're like, right. oh, focus creates a framework whereby my life can be about befriending people for the sake of Christ. Right. Whereas in my job, I have a framework about earning income. And within that, I can befriend people for the sake of Christ because the, <laughs> I think some of the things that people miss is that evangelization is life. It's just the Christian's life is ordered to Christ. It's not something like we tack on. And right. I think that's where actually a lot of us get tripped up in evangelization. Like there are different strategies that we can use. If someone leaves right. the church, you know, maybe you know, if someone has interior hostility or an ideology that possesses them, that refuses to make room for the church, um, then there are strategic ways that we can approach that person, those conversations. That's a large part of what our podcast is for is to help mm -hmm. people and they send in emails and we kind of navigate those uh, precarious circumstances. But when people talk about like, how do I evangelize my son? Uh, do you love him? Do you take interest in what he's interested in? Or is it all go to church, go to church, go to church? Cause if it's that, it doesn't work. Right. So you can go up to a total stranger and actually listen to them. And all right. of a sudden, <gasps> it's real and things yeah. change. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there are hobbies that I have now, Gomer, and interests that I have that I've taken up in my life because of a student or a group of students that I've like sought to evangelize. 
Um, yeah. For instance, there's a guy, he's, he's in grad school now. Uh, he was the, the goalie on the soccer team at the campus I was at before Cincinnati. And I knew him since he was a sophomore and he was in Bible study for, gosh, with me with two years and then the missionary after me for a year. And he really loved fire, cigars, and Jordan Peterson. <laughs> and, then, and then like soccer was like so far back. And he also liked smoking weed and a couple other things. But like, but what I did, and I found out that if I wanted him to come to Bible study, because then I, I knew we could have that deeper connection. We could, we could talk about scripture. He, he would then encounter Christ in the scriptures. I found that if, if I would guarantee him to come to Bible study, then Bible study was going to have to be around a fire pit and maybe with cigars every week. And mm. I was not a fan of cigars. I liked fires for sure. But at the time when I started getting to know him, I did not want to smoke cigars. But because of like that friendship that developed with this man, um, I have my own like, you know, little cigar humidor now. I have cigars way more often <laughs> now. But it was, it was from that friendship. And, and I think that's, it's a delight. Like it wasn't always a delight chasing him down and sitting with him while, you know, stuff was hitting the fan. But it's a delight looking back at like that friend that I made that I walked with, that I cried with, um, and that I smoked a lot of cigars with. And that's so like and so that human. Young man is now <laughs> Father Mike Schmitz. Uh, oh, blood that'd twist. Be nuts. Yeah, right. Drop the mic. Hang up the call. We're out of here. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What What would you say was one of your most? Because um, when we talk about evangelization, the other thing, like you start off by saying, like it's really God that does it. Right. And uh, I think to some extent, we want to be Pelagian about it. We want the sure. tips and tricks. In yeah. order to accomplish the thing right. that we think will, you know, like if I pull all the right levers and flip all the right switches, yeah. they will become Catholic. And then you're like, oh, yeah. my goodness, I'm dealing with a personality. I'm dealing with issues and pains and struggles and assumptions that actually are outside of every category and box I could possibly have, which is why we ditch labels <laughs> in place of a story, as Sherry Waddell yeah. always reminds us. But yeah. what, what was... um. A conversion moment where God shattered your Pelagian control freak dreams and uh, just intervened in someone's life in a way that even surprised you. I mean, I mean, honestly, I would just go back to that guy, the goalie. Um, his name's Tomas. Like, um, he actually had his like big conversion after I left campus. Like, I had been <laughs> with him, you know, a couple times a week for a long time, and into to detach, like to, to leave that campus and to come to Cincinnati, it's, it was painful to, you know, kind of leave him behind and entrust him to someone else's care. Uh, but I saw him a year later and I had heard, and I'd been praying for him and I heard that, you know, his, his soccer career ended. Uh, he went on a retreat and that I had heard he got just blown away, you know, went to back to confession for the first time in many years. Um, that that's, yeah, that was an amazing part. I'd say another story, that I saw, and this played out in a Bible study. And again, like, you know, I might've set a few things up, but like the Lord just did it. Uh, and I'm talking about athletes. I don't only work with athletes, but there was this guy, his name's Tristan and he was on the baseball team. And after a long time, I finally had him join a Bible study. There's, you know, a couple, a couple times going out and getting drinks with him. He was, you know, 22 at the time, but it was in this Bible study we were talking about one week we were talking about David 
and about David's repentance after, uh, you know, all that went down there with, with Sheba and Uriah. And, yeah. um, and he start, <laughs> yeah, oops. Um, and this young man had had some relationship issues and, but he asked, he asked the question. I think this is where you see like the Lord working on the heart. We weren't, I wasn't setting that study up just so, Ooh, just so he can go to confession. You know, I'm, I'm praying for him and hoping something happens, but he asked the question. So we were talking about the Eucharist too. He's like, so you're telling me for me to go and receive communion, like the way I should go receive communion at mass, I have to go to confession because I've done, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and yeah, it's just like, yeah, that's what we're saying. And he was, I remember the one week he's like, no way, like, nah, I'm not going to go talk to a priest. No. And then it was the next week we talked about um, the last supper. It was kind of this covenant uh, salvation history kind of overview Bible study. We talked about the last supper and connected all the dots in, you know, in that salvation, that economy of salvation, uh, not all the dots, but the major ones, you know, and, and you just see the light bulb go off where he's like, oh my gosh, like this is, this actually like is way bigger than me. And I remember he, this week he go the next week he's like, so I need to go to confession. And then this was like, what made me almost just as happy. One of the other guys in the study said, I'm going this, you know, I'm going Tuesday. Would you come with me? And so it was just to see the light went off in the one guy's head. And then his, another guy in the study immediately, Hey, come with me. And, and that was just like the dream. Of course I would want to go with him. Uh, but then another student who's also going to be on mission is like, yeah, I'll go with you. Um, that was just, you know, you, you can't set it up uh, for that to happen <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I'd say with like Sikh conferences, there's so many times over the years where you, you, you know, you, you bend over backwards to get that one guy uh, in the room with Jesus, you know, and that confession and adoration night at Sikh. Which people don't know what Sikh is. It's yeah, it's the focus conference, and it kind of, in a sense, there's a climactic point uh, on like the third night of conference or fourth night of conference. That's a big adoration and confession. And typically, in the normal pre-COVID years, you know, thousands of people go to confession this one night, and and just to be in that room with the Lord being processed around, and to see Him moving through the crowd, and it's like you bring that that one guy that maybe, maybe you had to fundraise everything for him to go and you see him on his knees and you see that monstrance with our Lord and it passed by and, and you see him crying or you see him shook up and he has to get out of the room. And then you have a great follow-up conversation. Like that's the Lord, the Lord shows up. It's like the healing of the paralytic in Luke chapter five, right? I get to be one of the people. First of all, I was one of the people that was lowered down on the mat and that the Lord healed and that I encountered the Lord. But then now I'm one of those people that, that literally is carrying a friend or another student or a family member into the Lord. And I, I get them in the room with him. And I, I trust that, not that it's a magic bullet, but I trust that like something might just yeah. happen. Yeah. And that's the part of really applying Mother Teresa's dictum, success, uh, faithfulness, not success, right? Like right. what God is ask, asking us from us and for us is faithfulness, right? The right. covenant faithfulness. Uh, love puts the fullness in faithfulness. Why do I want to keep faith? Because my yes extended over time is what changes my life to be more like Christ's. And the idea isn't I'm attached to outcomes, mm -hmm. right? We have to be unattached to outcomes in the regards that like, if I don't get X, Y, Z result, 
then I'm not doing it right, right? And yeah. it's, again, that, that falls Hard. back to a kind of a Pelagian yeah. mindset. Where, yeah. where, but, but it's about my control, and yeah. I'm doing this. And step back, God, look at all the cool things I can do for you. Mm-hmm. And you just get drawn back right into the, uh, the Corinthian church's situation, right? Where Paul says, I sowed, Apollos watered, but God alone gives the growth. And like I, I think about that soccer player that you spent hours investing in. It's not ill to do that. A lot of people think like, yeah, but there wasn't the payoff. There wasn't the conversion. Well, then you find out a year later or whatever later, like there was. It just wasn't his timing, God's timing, or your timing, right? It was, it's, it's something different that you and I just has to have the humility of saying, okay, I have to be in a certain sense detached from outcomes in in evangelization. In another sense, you're never fully detached because you're investing in people's lives right. and you care about them. Yeah. Right? You you care, you're concerned, it breaks your heart when they don't know our Lord. Yeah. They don't know the peace that comes with reconciliation. They don't know the joy that comes with receiving Christ in the Eucharist. And there, I, I just think there is so much a, the human, all too human tendency to want to micromanage the spirit. And mm-hmm. I think evangelists who are really good at evangelizing need to be uh, need to watch other people bring in their flock from time to time yeah. to keep them from becoming too self-righteous. Right. Yeah. It keeps you humble. Yeah. But it's, it, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of held in tension, you know, especially, I, yeah. I don't know. Do you think as like an American and it's like that American spirit of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps. I'm going to, I'm going to get it done. I think that that in a sense sometimes can work against us and can be that, that Pelagian tendency when it comes to evangelization. Yeah. And, you know, and I think of also the soul of the apostle where that was the, that was the number one sin. Um, And, you know, he's a French, French, uh, whatever he was, uh, Carthusian or whatever. I mean, the, the reality is every time human agency operates for the sake of the kingdom, it's operating 100% human and 100% God. Mm. And it's very subtle for the serpent to whisper in our ear, it's all, look at all the good you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then it takes us off track because then we it becomes easy to skip prayer time right. or fasting days or whatever because, well, look at all the good I've already done and look at all this and look at all that. And then we just rely on our own success. Now, picking back on to the C conferences, so I love Seek. Me and Luke went in 2019. Yeah. And we got a booth. We we shared Matt Frad's booth right next to the exposition center when all the, you know, 30,000 kids come pouring out. We're there. And Matt Frad, poor little introverted Matt Frad, he like is exhausted <laughs> by yeah. like hour six. And I was like, I'll run your booth for you, me and Luke. We ran until till they shut the place down. We're just talking. People would come up and be like, where's Matt Frad? And he's like, who cares? And Luke would just imitate Matt Frad. He's like, good night, mate. Uh, kangaroo, Bobby. Uh, dingo ate your baby. He would just say that over and over again. Um, and we would pass out all of his stickers, which was funny. But uh, we, I mean, like, I loved it. And I love seeing the kinetic movement behind everything that was there. I mean, people were engaged. They were, I, I love the people who were there. Clearly someone fundraised for them, as in, like, mm-hmm. they really didn't want to be there. Yeah. But that's where me and Luke, uh, that's where we love life. And that's where we kind of shine is with the people on the outskirts who think everything is, you know, all these o- uber Catholic kids are dumb and this is a bit much and what are they doing holding their hands up during adoration and like all that yeah. stuff. And you just see them, you just see them hanging out in the exposition hall, usually by the food mm-hmm. or by a group of the opposite sex. And we just go and 
do our little little evangelization, give them our stickers, make fun of the church for a little bit in you know reverent ways, <laughs> and then I like, remember oh, your wait, sticker. What? You- oh yeah, our sticker had Cardinal McCarrick. <laughs> yep. So yeah, <laughs> the seminarians hated it, but the priests <laughs> thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Seminarians haven't developed a sense of humor yet. <laughs> um. <laughs> so what's going on with Seek Twenty One this year? What 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 has COVID done did to y'all's? Uh, interpersonal uh, amazing conference you know it's like many things it's it's killed it no i'm just kidding it's it's uh <laughs> it's forced us to better not i got two podcasts <laughs> that are being featured on there right yeah well we got you no um yeah i mean it's forced us to adapt and i think so it's now virtual the amazing thing is you know in the past i would you know we'd work our butts off to fundraise, you know, hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars to bring one student. And now it's, it's the most affordable seat conference ever, you know? Um, so yeah, everyone has the opportunity, not even, not just students, you know, anyone could register for seek and watch the live stream or even get, uh, the recordings for six months after. But what it is, is it's going to be February 4th through 7th. And then, It'll all be live stream, but then you now have the opportunity to do something in a small group at your home or at your parish or at your campus. And then some of us uh, have decided to try to, to blend it, to make it as much like a normal seat conference as possible uh, while still being prudent with COVID regulations. So you'll still have, you know, the big keynotes, you know, first night, I think uh, Bishop Barron is giving one of the keynotes and I'm really excited about Sunday, the final keynote, Francis Chan is given it with uh, Curtis Martin. Um, so that's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's exciting. And, but yeah, you have the opportunity to, to stay at home and go to the conference or um, do something special with your parish. And I know for, for us in Cincinnati, we're still going to get uh, three focus campuses together with the Archbishop on Saturday for different keynotes, different talks, and then mass and adoration. Um, our campus, we've got a brewery uh, rented out the first night, and we're going to stream it of at course. the brewery. Um, and then we got a happy hour on Friday, and then we'll stream it after we uh, play, play some, uh, <laughs> if we go bowling and uh, have some dinner. But it's really kind of a choose your own adventure, uh, but it's all centered on the kerygma. It's all catered to just proclaim that basic gospel message that needs to be proclaimed from the rooftops, from the mountaintops. Um, everyone's got to hear it. So I'm excited. And we still, you know, we're still going to have, you know, our uh, our guests, you know, our, our podcasts there, like you and Luke and many other things. I hope Matt will be there. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. At first it was like, man, I wish we could be in St. Louis with 30,000 people, but maybe next year. Yeah, I'm super bummed because my in-laws are in St. Louis, mm. and that was going to be another vacation yeah. where I get my wife to, you know, get her, oh, look, I get to be with my mommy and daddy again. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up to the bar. But uh, <laughs> sadly, it didn't happen. Sadly, it didn't happen. But I'm excited about this. You know, it's so difficult to create online experiences that matter. And I love the ton of detail. If you just go to seek.focus.org, um, you know, we're doing this with Catching Foxes and Every Knee Shall Bow. I have spent so much time on that website going through the details, going through how they like set it up and trying to create it in, you know, your community, your parish, all that different stuff. And um, 
Yeah, I would love, I would love to try to be a Sikh host, but so many of my young adults now are who are unmarried, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that they're kind of bringing it to a broader audience, but most of my young adults are now down in Houston proper, mm. um, which I do not blame them because we are the burbs. But uh, it is it is such a powerful event. So if you live in the city or if you have a parish and you're thinking about this, go to seek.focus.org and check out the details in your community, how to build it up, how to make it happen. You know, you can stream the conference. You can do a whole a bunch of different stuff and host a thing in your area to keep it to keep it interpersonal. Yeah. I mean, think about the small businesses that could use, you know, a pickup. What if they could host, you know, a group, you know, that's what we're doing with this brewery. They need the business. We need a place. And hopefully we'll have like a hundred people at this brewery with, you know, masks and some distance, of course, but it's a really great time to, so to partner. I'm so done with masks. I'm so done. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing has destroyed my ability to do ministry. I don't even know who people are. I walk right, right by them and people are like, Michael. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> oh, oh, your eyebrows tell a story now. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. Well, thank you so much for coming out. Do you have any uh, closing wisdom um, from your seven years of being a focused missionary? Now you're a focused team leader. You got your family involved. What is it like now? What does being a focused missionary mean for you now at this this late stage in the game? Yeah, gosh, late stage of the game at the, the old age yeah, of 28, I mean, you're right? Dead. <laughs> yeah, you're practically dead. Right, right, right. Gosh, yeah, you and Luke are in the ground already. Um, yeah. Yeah, Very I'd cool. say what I, for me, it's, first, it's it's faithfulness to Jesus and his great commission. And this is the way that I, I believe the Lord has invited me to, to live that out. Um, and then to trust that his, I feel like I'm saying cliches, but it's just, it's what it is. Um I trust, and this is something to, to continue to trust him, but I trust in his grace that he will provide. And maybe, you know, as a married man with three kids, I can't necessarily go out to the bars every night, nor should I. I, sh- I shouldn't be out till 1 a.m. because I'm evangelizing, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I still might do that on a rare occasion. But um, yeah. but what he does invite me to is to to bring my vocation and my mission together, to still have some boundaries. But one of the greatest things that I can do, uh, besides praying and bringing people to the sacraments and being there for young men, is inviting them into my family life and to invite them over for dinner. You know, so many young men and women um, are raised in households that are maybe broken, that maybe just were not faithful or whatever. Um, And I'm not saying that my family is perfect. We're so far from it. But I have seen the Lord just work in beautiful ways through inviting young men and women over to my my house for dinner and making that a habit that my wife and I do by having that hospitality. And yeah, they're, they're there when my kids are, you know, ripping everything up and won't sit down at the dinner table. Uh, they're there. I've, been, I've had a student over when my now two-year-old, she like pooped in her diaper and spread it all over her like crib. And he was over um, playing with my son while I washed her off. And this was a man who like, <laughs> at the, actually at that time, I was trying to convince him really to go to a conference. Um, and yeah, I'm talking to him about it while my kids are screaming. Uh, we pause that conversation, give a kid a bath, you know, just inviting them into, the, into my life. You know, they're not seeing like this polished facade. You know, it's inviting them into into my life, into my family life. 
and trusting that the Lord wants to use that. Because he wants me to be on campus and he wanted me to be married. They both, uh, they can both really work together um, and witness that vocation in a powerful way. So we try to do that. Um, so yeah, hopefully that, I think that's possible for many people. I think it's so funny that people make excuses with their family of why they can't evangelize. And yet we all see avenues of just, just be faithful and be faithful with your family. And that will evangelize. Uh, it, it's so beautiful. I had a guy watching the way my wife plays with my kids at the park and he just comes over in tears and he's like, as an old man, right? He's like, I watch all these teenagers destroy this park and every day I clean it off all the graffiti they write and the obscenities they write and all this stuff, because I think your kids are worth my time and investment in cleaning this park and keeping it prepared for them. And like, he just, he just lives right across the street and his front windows all face the park. And so for him, the witness of my wife playing with our kids at the park or just my kids playing by themselves, that was enough for him to, <laughs> you know, to go way outside what's required of him and actually scrub off, you know, Sharpie written graffiti after, uh, hmm. you know, whatever a bunch of punks. And, uh, <laughs> but it, it is funny. Cause then, then it, it, you create this cycle where you're like mutually investing in each other's lives yeah. and you don't even know it. And that's just what happens when you evangelize in and through your family, like your home is an outpost and a refuge, yeah. an outpost for the kingdom to press further into enemy territory and a refuge for those lost and, and broken souls to find respite. Like that's what we need to do. It's not my house, my property, my uh, shiplap. It's your shiplap is meant for the world, <laughs> your subway tile and your, and your exposed brick. It's meant for the world. Well, alrighty. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for Ascension for partnering with uh, Focus so that we could have stuff like this and really build up the Seek experience because in the, if we don't invest in the young people of the church, we won't have a church. So uh, awesome. Thank you for your ministry. Thank your, uh, your bride and your kiddos for, for helping to change hearts and minds, man. Uh, it is awesome what you're doing, and I'm glad I pay people like you to keep doing it. So I don't have to. <laughs> Thanks, Gomer. I appreciate <laughs> <just> it. <laughs> yeah. And if people want to support you, where do they go? What do they do? Yeah, I think the show notes, like you said, will have a link to my, my page. Yes. I would say to pray, pray for the missionaries. Pray, 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 pray. Um, and then, yeah, if you can give, 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 but pray for us, pray for the students that we encounter. Um, so prayer, financial support, focus on campus.org uh, slash missionaries slash my first name, Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, uh, last name, Cirillo, C-I-R-I-L-L-O. And you can see more about my story or just read it in the show notes. Read it in the show notes. That's awesome. So uh, again, focus.org, good folks. Uh, focus stands for Fellowship of Catholic University students, evangelizing on Catholic student centers and campuses uh, in state secular institutions. They are spreading everywhere the kingdom. This is what it means. We have to invest in the missionaries. As St. Paul says, uh, what, what, what is the phrase he says? If you share sharing the fruits of a missionary what is what is the phrase in oh, a, you get in a missionary's reward oh man oh, i'm gonna ruin it i'm i'm gonna uh -oh. ruin it too you, you basically are gonna get the same grace that the missionaries are getting so or as uh saint therese i think it was saint therese blasu or mother Teresa, both great saints they said some go by giving and others give by going so boom 
Boom. That's a cliche I can stand by. All right, y'all. God bless y'all. If you got a question for me or Dave, send us an email at EKSB at EssentialPress.com. We would look forward to reading your emails, hearing your stories, and uh, answering the questions that you might have. That's EKSB at EssentialPress.com. God bless y'all. 